Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 29th of May and again in the middle of a snap seven-day lockdown here in Melbourne for those of you listening internationally. That's right, that's right. Although um, we're not actually alone, um, I think Tokyo and a few other prefectures have extended the state of emergency for another month and Malaysia has also gone a, on a hard lockdown, have just announced it as well for two weeks at least. So um, we're in good, uh, good company. Good company, very that's, good. That's right. And, and really, as I, I read somewhere, this is our, for the city of Melbourne, it's the fourth lockdown. So we're really actually quite Did you have to, to read that, Pierre? You didn't just remember from having lived through them? I'm, a, I'm an optimist <laughs> and I've got a really good mind to just like... Anything, forget negative for, things. Forget negative I things. See. So, yes, yes. But I do, I do have to say that that bit of uh, dead air about two minutes ago was... Was actually, all your fault, was yes. all my fault because we've got strict cleaning routines here in the studio, but it's actually very difficult to clean the panel and the mouse and everything else, all the dials, without moving things. So... Um, you know, still learning, still learning. So that's a, that was a funny way to take responsibility, just to, to blame the equipment and the, and the cleaning regime. Well, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> We're a show about the truth. You know. I see. So well, anyway, what is this show? That's right. Well, I, it is Asia Pacific Currents. For those of you who couldn't pick up on the um, the tension on air, which we like to bring you every Saturday morning, Um and of course, uh, Australia Asia Worker Links brings you Asia Pacific Currents. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. I did also want to, just in terms of, Pierre, what you were saying, um, that the show is about truth, just to let listeners know what the feature interview is in the second part of the show. We'll be speaking with Latoya Rule, who is the sister of Wayne Feller Morrison, who died in custody in Adelaide in South Australia. Um, And the inquest, uh, I think, has finished now and we're awaiting the findings. Uh, But but it has been a long time coming, that inquest. Uh, But uh, to discover the truth of, of what happened to Wayne. Uh, and there is a campaign a, as a result of this, which is to uh, for a nationwide ban on the use of spit hoods on any person, not just a... Um, an Aboriginal person in custody on any people, any young people, just a, a, a national ban on the use of spit hoods. Oh, that's right. And, of course, we do have to remember that the original death in custody Royal Commission was th- over 30 years ago and the deaths have continued, or shall we say the, the murders 
have continued. Um, that's right. And also another important thing to remember that uh, uh, 3CR Radiothon is coming up. I think, uh, Giselle, our Radiothon show is going to be in uh, two weeks or three weeks. Three weeks, I think. Something like that. That's right. Yes, yes. Like so, one of the last days of Radiothon. That's right. So um, so keep uh, put those dollars away and, and start. Uh, getting your family, friends and comrades to donate as well to keep us on the air. But or, or just extort them. We're also open to that. Oh, that's right. That's right. I think once there was, uh, um, you know, working class redistribution of uh, finances, <laughs> but maybe we shouldn't go 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 there. Um, Giselle, would you want to start the? Um, I sure do. Update. We'll start with news from around the region, and we'll we'll start in Iraq, as uh, there are more killings of protesters in that country. On Tuesday, a National Day of Action titled "Who Killed Me." called by anti-government activists, was held in the capital, Baghdad, to demand accountability for the murder of hundreds of Iraqi activists and protesters over the last 18 months. While the protests started off uh, peacefully, by evening security forces started moving in and forcefully dispersed the, pro- the demonstrators. By the next day, the grim telly showed that at least 10 people were killed and around 50 were injured. It's unknown how many were arrested. One development over the last few months has been the ties that have been developing between anti-government protesters in Iraq with activists from similar groups in Iraqi Kurdistan, which is quite a positive development. That's right, that's right. We go to, unfortunately, another uh, bit of a sad story in Bangladesh where earlier this month hundreds of garment workers from the Hameen group supplying garments for um, for major groups like H&M, uh, Gap and Zara, staged a spontaneous protest action to demand an extension of Eid holidays from uh, three days to the usual ten days. So it's really the, the main um, holiday time for them. Um, the workers soon, um, when they went out on the street to protest, the workers soon faced a, faced a sizable contingent of police who shot them with pellets, tear gas and rubber bullets. Over 20 workers were injured by these volleys of firepower. While the workers were able to win the extended um, holiday, break, holiday break in the end, they received no compensation for the injury, while the police faced no disciplinary action for their brutality. And the tragedy continues in Palestine, where uh, now Palestinians are facing mass arrests. <coughs> While the ceasefire between Hamas and Israel is holding and mass protests in Palestine are less visible, the reality is that Israeli state, the Israeli state has unleashed a new wave of repression against Palestinians in Israel and in the West Bank. Inside Israel, the police force this week declared the start of Operation Law and Order, where they're seeking to arrest up to 1,000 Palestinians who took part in the recent protests. These arrests will be on top of the hundreds of Palestinians already arrested. This represents quite clearly a coordinated attempt to suppress any resistance to the occupation and dispossession activities by the Israeli state. On Tuesday, in the occupied West Bank, Ahmed Jamil Fahed, a young Palestine refugee living in Ramallah, was shot dead in cold blood by an Israeli undercover unit while while he boarded his car.
Activists report increased military activity in the West Bank and scores of arrests of Palestinians. And um, I just uh, read overnight that uh, another new development is um, unfortunately not is Israel arresting uh, people in the West Bank, but the Palestine Authority has actually unleashed its own wave of repression against activists. So, um, Gosh, I wonder why the Palestinian Authority is so unpopular. I wonder why they had to cancel those elections. That's right, that's right. And very interesting, one of the charges that they're charging activists with um, is insulting the Palestinian Authority. Um, We won't say anything else. Uh, We now go to India, where the severe outbreak of COVID-19 pandemic in India over the last few months is now starting to have a major repercussion on all sectors of the economy. This week, the USA Indian subsidiary of General Motors uh, gave redundancy notices to almost 1,500 of its workers at the Talagon plant just outside the city of Pune in Maharashtra state. Citing the COVID-19 calamity, the company invokes Section 25 of the Industrial Dispute Act for these dismissal, meaning they, um, it would allow the company to pay less redundancy to the workers. In response, the union representing the workers, the General Motors Employees Union, said that it will fight these dismissals as the company has been trying to downsize the workforce for years and is using COVID-19 as an excuse. Uh, and uh, still looking at Palestine, or at least the reporting of the issue in, in Palestine, journalists are facing censorship when they're doing this reporting. A recently hired Associated Press journalist, Emily Wilder, who lives in the US, was sacked for violating the news agency's social media policy. Associated Press has not explained which social media post caused offence, but Emily believes that she was a victim of a sustained political attack by Zionist forces due to her pro-Palestinian activism in university. In another incident, a number of Palestinian journalists reporting from the Gaza Strip found that at the start of the ceasefire, their WhatsApp accounts had been blocked. As the as WhatsApp is a major source of communication for them, it's obvious that this blockage was an attempt to stop the flow of independent news to be brought, broadcast from Gaza. Um, the, the the war is carried out on all fronts, isn't it, Giselle? Yeah, I was going to say, though, though none of that is surprising, it still is a bit shocking to read about it. That's right, that's right. And our last news, we come uh, much closer to home to Australia, where the uh, working conditions for migrant workers at an abattoir in Warrnambool in the west of uh, Victoria, which um, is a southern state here in Australia, have uh, once again highlighted the terrible exploitation that migrant workers on temporary visas face in Australia. In this latest case, the assault on a Chinese, on, uh, a Chinese worker by a midfield uh, supervisor um, their subsequent dismissal and the use of threats against a group of his co-workers provided the spark for some of the workers to go public with their complaints. Investigations have now shown that uh, Midfield Meat has for years used migrant workers on temporary visas to fill most of its 1,000-strong workforce. Via the use of combination of uh, subcontractors, um, financial debts of the workers, promises and threats, Midfield Meats was able to silence its workforce and keep them working in harsh and punishing conditions. 
There is an ongoing campaign by sections of the Australian trade union movement calling for all workers on temporary visas to be given permanent ones. And um, really, that uh, that's really something that uh, the unions should take up globally as well because migrant, temporary migrant workers are part of the super exploited uh, section of our class. It's just on... Um, 12 past uh, 9 o'clock here on Asia Pacific Currents on 3CR, your favourite community radio station. Of course, uh, if you want to know more information or get in touch with us, um, uh, please get in touch with AWL or go to our Facebook or go to our website and um, we'll take it from there. We'll just have a, a short committee announcement and then we'll be back with an interview with Latoya Rule about the um, death in custody inquiry. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep us going for another year. Independent community media is more important than ever, and we need your support to power community radio. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 03 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during business hours. 3CR Community Powered Radio. It is 13 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents with Pierre and Giselle. Wayne Feller Morrison died in the Royal Adelaide Hospital in September 2016, three days after he was pulled unresponsive from a Yatala Labor prison van surrounded by guards. The inquest has only just started in the last month and still continues, but I had an opportunity to speak with Wayne Feller Morrison's sister, Latoya Rule, who is campaigning around the death of her brother, but in particular about the use of spit hoods on detainees. Here's Latoya. I'm Latoya Aroharu. I'm um, a Radri and Māori person, First Nations person, and I've grown up on Ghana land, which is where I'm coming to you from today in South Australia, but I currently reside on Gadigal land. Thank you. Thanks so much. And especially thanks for joining me today, Latoya, because what we want to talk about today is um, uh, the current inquest into the death of your brother, Wayne Feller Morrison, um, and the, the what is happening on that front. And of course, the context is this year is the 30th anniversary of the findings of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. So I guess to start with, um, why don't we look at uh, what happened to to Wayne that that brings us to the call today? Yeah, um, and thank you for having me. Obviously, it's such an important yarn with us going through the court at the moment, the coroner's court um, here on Gunland. So, I'm really grateful um, to be interviewed. Um, so, Wayne was a 29 year old Radri Kukuta and Wearingal person. Um, so he also grew up alongside us on Ghana land um, and the family, Morrison family, are from the west coast, so the far west coast of South Australia. Um, And essentially Wayne had never been convicted of any crime. He um, was on remand 
awaiting um, a, a magistrate's court, which he put up a bail application for after six days on remand. And essentially during the course of that time, we have heard evidence that he put in things like uh, medical request forms. You know, he um, was, was taken to other holding cells in a place called Holden Hill Holding Cells. Um, and yeah, he, he, um, on the day that he was supposed to be essentially released, which is what we expected when we were waiting in the court from Yatla Labour Prison, where he had been held for the majority of the time, an alleged incident um, occurred between multiple corrections officers, prison officers at Yatla Labour Prison. Um, up to 14 officers were, were involved in the, in the restraint of Wayne. And he had a spit hood put over his head. His hands and feet were cuffed um, with flexi cuffs. And he was carried face down into the back of a transport prison van where there were eight officers inside. One was a driver um, and many were essentially with him in the back of the van. Um, and yeah, they transported him and less than three minutes later, he was pulled out unconscious. We've heard evidence so far that there was a delay um, in the resuscitation of Wayne. So it took more than 55 minutes to resuscitate him. And essentially by that stage, he was brain dead. And we turned off his life support machine at 3.50 a.m. on the 26th um, of September 2016 in the Royal Adelaide Hospital. So there's multiple, you know, questions about, um, what happened inside the van mostly. We've heard different parts of evidence about the restraint, why they believed he needed to be restrained, all of those stories that come up. Um, but to date, we've sat through, you know, a um, obviously the coronial inquiry almost five years later that we're still this week and next week. We've um, gone through a parliamentary inquiry to look at the administration of South Australian prisons and have submitted our own reports to that about our recommendations and about what happened to Wayne. We sat through an ombudsman inquiry into South Australian corrections about Wayne's death as well. That ensued um, from that, the recommendation came that corrections should apologise to my family about the way we were treated, which was incredibly poorly. Um, and of course, corrections officers and their lawyers, many, many lawyers, um, up to 14 lawyers also on their side when we have two, have also already taken the coroner to the Supreme Court of South Australia to try to get her removed from our case. Um, and that was, you know, they failed at that, but they're been allowed to um, plead the right against self-incrimination, which is a very um, common law that a lot of people use to support, you know, their cases, but not so much public servants like corrections officers. So here we are sitting in our coronial inquiry with, you know, the seven van officers. The first one went last Friday. We fought for them to get there, fought for them to face us, fought for them to give evidence, and they're saying in there essentially... I plead the right to silence. I plead the right to not tell the family, not tell our family what happened to Wayne in those final moments.
There were some other pieces that I just wanted to go back to, but Latoya, thank you so much for detailing that. I, uh, I imagine that's actually quite distressing, all of that um, coronial inquiry information that you've had to sit through and the ombudsman's inquiry before that too. One of the things that had been noted during this particular coronial inquest is that um, Wayne Morrison was in a coma for a period of time and there was a, a massive delay in telling the family and I imagine that was part of the Ombudsman's recommendation to issue an apology to the family. What can you tell us about that part of what happened? Yeah, so just before, as I was saying, my mum, um, my sister and I were sitting in the magistrate's court in Elizabeth in South Australia waiting for my brother's bail application to be heard. Um, essentially, I was working as a social work support on placement at the time at a homeless day centre. I had found a few addresses in case my mum's didn't work out. And so we were going to figure out, you know, where Wayne would be placed. That was the plan. Um, somebody came into the courtroom with a note handed it to the magistrate. Essentially, the magistrate looked at us and said, you know, this is very encrypted, but um, Wayne won't be appearing today. You'll have to go away and figure out where Wayne is. We can't provide you any further information. We don't know where he is. From that moment, we were pretty confused. We thought maybe there was just an issue, you know, on the day that happens, maybe the video link room wasn't set up or some administrative issue. We called um, you know, the Legal Rights Centre, nobody had heard anything and then we grew more suspicious and a little bit afraid. So we started calling hospitals, we started calling, um, you know, the prison, just to find out maybe something had actually occurred to Wayne. It wasn't until hours later that I even spoke to somebody at the prison, the Aboriginal Legal, um, Aboriginal Liaison Officer, sorry, who said that they were all in a meeting, I quote that, so we're all in a meeting, I can't tell you anything, um, and that's pretty much it. And so, you know, from that moment, we knew that something had happened. Why were the corrections officers, you know, from what I um, thought at the time, why were the corrections officers and managers in a meeting? Um, you know, what, where was Wayne? And just the fact that there was a lot of silence and I think, you know, hiding in many cases about where he was. Eventually, somebody from the community actually told us that Wayne was in the Royal Adelaide Hospital. They had already lied to us and told us that he wasn't there. When we showed up, um, there were two triage desks in the in the hospital. My mum went to, and my mum and sister went to one triage desk and I went to the other to just ask about where he was. The first triage desk lied to my mum and my sister and, and I overheard at the second triage desk, the nurses literally in front of me say, oh, that poor family, you know, they're not going to be able to know that he's here. And so that was just coincidence. I called them out immediately and said that's my brother so clearly they thought we were from two different families um from that moment we were asked to wait outside in the car park and after that we were started to be escorted you know late at night when it was dark started to be escorted up two by two to visit my brother's body essentially 
during that process as well, um, some managerial staff from the prison, from Yatla Labor Prison, actually came to visit us um, and tell us what had happened. But at no point did they actually tell us what had happened. They more so just apologised. And when I said, what are you apologising for? What have you done? They didn't answer. Um, but it was very clear when we got upstairs to see my brother's body you know, being surveillanced more so by two officers at a time who laughed at us, who stopped us from actually seeing Wayne's body collectively as a family to the very end till the doctors told them to leave, things like that. There was, There's just so much, um, so much, you know, that we had to go through as a family and that we had to navigate in a time of grief. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of the process. And for all of that, the one of the recommendations was for the family to be issued with an apology, which I understand came this year, all of those years later after uh, the events that you've just described. What what was that like? What what is it like to get an apology based on a recommendation? in the context of um, South Australia Corrections challenging the coroner, challenge, bringing on these 14 lawyers? What, what goes through your mind? So we didn't actually receive um, an apology. Um, last year, the ombudsman, who I think it was last year or in 2019, he released his report, Wayne Lyons, and he recommended an apology by Corrections. But to date, they sent my mum, I believe, an email, um, but nothing to the rest of our family. And we've essentially decided that unless that apology is public and unless that apology comes with real recommendations, sorry, real actions attached from our recommendations, then it's not worth the apology. We don't want to continue to have to see, you know, anybody with the factor of silence around um, you know, around our meetings. We don't want to give them the benefit of being silent away from the public who deserve to know that you know, they are apologising, who deserve to be held accountable, you know, um, to our community. So, yeah, we haven't received an apology just yet, but um, I hope it will be forthcoming. For the moment, the officers really are just not um, being forthcoming with evidence. So I... I consider that any apology from the state regardless is tampered by, you know, the lack of accountability from their staff. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there, broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR, radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. 
27 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You were listening to LaToya Rule, the sister of Wayne Feller Morrison, who died in a South Australian hospital after um, travelling in a corrections vehicle. He died in 2016 and the coronial inquiry is just on now. Um, She is spearheading a campaign for a national ban on the use of spit hoods and we'll put details of that on our Facebook page so you can join in that campaign. But Pierre, that brings us to the end of the show. That's right, that's right, Giselle. It's uh, our last show for May. We're going to roll into June next uh, week and hopefully we'll be out of uh, lockdown as um, well by, by then. But that's uh, really all the time that we've got for. We'll have a, a very short community announcement and then we'll come back uh, and stay tuned for Palestine Remembered uh, straight after this. And, of course, I forgot to say thanks to Solidarity Breakfast for another interesting program bef- uh, before our 9 o'clock uh, slot. But um, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Workerlink on your favourite community radio stations, 3CR Radio. It's just on 28 past 9 o'clock. It's time for us to go. So keep listening to 3CR. And remember, 3CR Radio Thon coming up soon. That's all from me, Pierre Morrow. And me, Giselle Hannah.